Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Our epistle this morning is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. But the section here, the full section, actually begins back in chapter 9. So I want to back up this morning and read our lesson, but beginning with chapter, uh, verse 9 through 21. I don't know who takes the liberty of putting headings in our Bibles and uh, pericopes, these little sections of scripture. I don't know who does that, but in one version, the heading on this section uh, says, behave like a Christian. Uh, Now, those of you that know me probably can guess that I like that. I actually like that heading. Uh, It's simple, direct, has the force of a command. So as we hear uh, this this morning, just remember, we're being told to behave as a Christian. Before I read the passage, though, I want to say a few things. We must understand, as Christians, who we have become and what we have become a part of. When you became a Christian, if you name yourself as a follower of Christ, you need to understand you've joined an insurgency to take over a corrupt and godless world. We are part of a divinely orchestrated infiltration We're going in on reconnaissance. We're like, you know, leaven that's been tucked into the lump of dough. A seed that's been secretly planted in the garden of the world. We're a little stone that's been thrown down from heaven that is to grow into a mountain and fill the earth. We are here a society. We're a body, a community, a family, a kingdom which exists in or alongside, or above, however you want to put it, the kingdom of this very corrupt world. And as a divine commonwealth, we exist by the power of the Holy Spirit, who unites us to our head and monarch, Jesus Christ, who sits in heaven upon his throne and rules his kingdom. Rules his kingdom, of which we are subjects. Now, like any kingdom and society, if it's going to exist in peace and grow, there must be unity of purpose. There must be authority, obedience, a universally recognized hierarchy. Like any society, there will be culture and language, a shared way of life. If we are Christians, if we call ourselves Christians, we have declared by that fact our allegiance to this kingdom. We are no longer members of the world kingdom, even though we still physically exist in this world. We have to constantly remind ourselves we are not of the world. We are from above. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of God. We are members of the family of of God. And our society has different rules, a different way of life. We live in God's house. That's where we live. And that's where our allegiance lies. Now, admittedly, there is a duality to our 
current situation. We are in this world. We go in and we go out. We interact with the world. We have jobs. We get education. We have interaction. But we need to have a clear understanding of where the boundaries are. And I think that's where a lot of us struggle sometimes. We must be reminded that this is not our home. This world is not our home. Worldly people are not our friends. I mean, you can have acquaintances. You can be friendly. But they are not your friends. We need to remember the source of our life. In other words, everybody needs to remember where their bread is buttered. Okay? And we need to maintain our loyalties. Because he died for you. One of my favorite iconographic images is that of the betrayal. Either the Last Supper, when Judas takes the sop from the Lord, or in the garden, when Judas kisses Christ in order to signal those who had come to arrest Jesus. In my home chapel, if it ever gets finished, um, I want to have a fresco of the betrayal painted just opposite where I normally would stand. So that I can see it all the time and stare at it. It may sound strange that I'm drawn to this image. It's not that I like it in the sense that it makes me feel good. That's not the point. Somehow it confronts me and reminds me of the danger of losing sight of my personal highest value. That of loyalty. For me, betrayal, betrayal is the most devastating and heart-wrenching thing I could imagine. To remain faithful and true to our Savior, no matter what. For me, that's everything. So I want to see this image of Judas kissing Jesus in betrayal. To always keep before me the call to loyalty and faithfulness. Judas kisses his Savior in betrayal. And St. Paul begins our passage in verse 9 saying, Let love be without hypocrisy. You are a Christian, a member of this divine society of the body of Christ, the household of God. Then let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Our allegiances must shift. We don't belong out there. We are married now. We are married now. We come home for dinner. We eat our food at our table. And afterwards, afterwards we sit around the hearth at the fire and we enjoy the company of our family. Our life is in our home. And if we go out, as I said, we go out on reconnaissance. We go out on an expedition to plunder, to pillage, to despoil the enemy's camp. That's the reason we go out there. We go out to rescue those who are entrapped, enslaved in death, to bring them back into our home and to make them productive and happy members of our society, to make them brothers and sisters. And Paul describes here, as he does so often in his writings, what life should be like in our home. Be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. 
Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. If your brother needs something and it is in your power to do it, do it kindly and with joy. Our kingdom, our house, our society has needs. We have needs, just like any society out in the world. And who's going to meet those needs in order for this family to run smoothly, to grow, to be healthy? Who? (laughs) You. Me. You know, there is no they. You is they. I am always amused, so amused, um, when Christians refer to church people, the church, as they. It tickles me to no end. They don't exist, you know. They talk about they, we Christians, we talk about they, the church, as they. You know, they did this or they did that, they disappointed me, they hurt me, they don't do this, they don't do that. There is no they, you is they. It's you. (laughs) You're the one who didn't clean up after coffee hour. Not they, you. (laughs) When we call ourselves a Christian, we have put our hand to the plow. There is no looking back. This is what you agreed to. Paul says, not to lag in diligence. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. He goes on. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be, and here's the rub, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. I think this is the nucleus of the passage. Be of the same mind. This is... We are admonished in this many, many times throughout the New Testament to be of the same mind. In this case, the word from mine is not nous, but phronoma. This is the crux of a community. The beauty and the holiness and the joy of life in society depends largely upon us being of the same mind. And we must all strive above all else to be of the same mind mind, to agree upon what is important, to adhere to the same values, to be reaching for the same goals, preferring one another, helping one another to be successful in reaching those goals, to be empathetic and kind and patient to those who are struggling. The thing that will destroy this holy and beautiful environment quicker than anything else is anger and pride. When we give place to anger, anger comes at all of us. It's not whether or not we're going to be attacked with anger. It's whether we're going to give place to our anger. You know, let that loop go on in your head. When we give place to anger, we allow the enemy into our very house. And he wreaks havoc. Anger, quite frankly, is the sin of murder. And the devil is called a murderer. He's a murderer and he's been a murderer from the beginning. What turned him into a murderer was his pride. If we think too highly of ourselves, especially as we compare ourselves to our brethren, 
we will quickly erode our friendship and our communion. So he says, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. It's a grave mistake for us to become too rigid and heavy in our opinion of ourselves. In other words, to you've heard me say many times, it's the unforgivable sin to take oneself too seriously. And God gave me as a gift to the world to help people not to take themselves too seriously. It's the most annoying attribute I have. It's one of the very few things I do well. Much to your chagrin, I'm sure, but... Chesterton says, angels can fly because they can take themselves lightly. The stone must by its own nature go downwards because hardness is weakness. The bird can of its own nature go upwards because fragility is force. Let's try not to live with clenched fists, taking ourselves too seriously. Now every society also has an economy, and our society is no different. You know, there's buying and selling and acquisition, trading, but our economy operates on different principles than the economy of the fallen world. And so St. Paul goes on and he says in verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome or conquered by evil, but overcome, conquer evil with good. I hadn't intended to say anything about this uh, give place to wrath, but I'll just, it's a little confusing, so I'll mention very quickly. There's two ways, related ways, they're not in contrary to one another, we can understand this. One is give place to God's wrath. In other words, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So if you have been mistreated, your job is to be kind in response, to turn the cheek, to repay evil, good for evil. Let God worry about disciplining and bringing the other person, holding the other person to account. So that's certainly one way that that can be understood. The other way is, which is associated, is to sort of let the wrath just flow through you and on. Like a, you know, make like a duck. Let it roll off your back. Just give way to the wrath and let it, let it flow on past you and be overcome with goodness. At any rate, we must put a very high value on peace. Very high value on peace. This is very practical. I, I, I ask you to take this in the most practical, concrete way that you can. Many of us, you know, we go through life, we have contentions, we have disappointments, we have friction. And sometimes we think the right thing to do is to stir up more friction, <laughs> to respond with a harsh word, an angry word, like it's almost our duty. This is our job. 
And that's not true. You must at all, you must do everything possible to maintain peace. Peace in your own heart. Peace with your brethren. Peace with those who are outside the family of God. We must really, really strive for peace at all times. If you're, if you're faced with a conflict and you're wondering what to do, do I ramp this up into a full-blown you know, fight or battle? If you really don't know what to do, you should seek some counsel. But unless it is absolutely necessary to do that, you should take the path of peace, always. With your children, with your spouse, with the family of God, with your boss. It's very important. I'm surprised at how often, myself included, we often even entertain the idea that this is a very good opportunity to go in for a fight. <laughs> it is not a good time, <laughs> I can tell you, most likely. Although, that being said, there are times when you can't be at peace. And the Apostle puts that here. There are times to stand and fight. St. John Chrysostom, in a homily on this very passage, says this in relation to that. He says, the Apostle Paul limits his meaning well by saying, if it be possible. For there are cases in which it is not possible. As, for instance, when we have to argue about religion. I wish... Who wrote that? Imagine, I wish the Beatles had read this from St. John before writing that stupid song. Um, we argue about religion because it's a matter of life and death. That's why, like eternal life and death, it's worth arguing about. And St. John says, you know, we have to argue about religion. We have to contend also for those who are wronged, the oppressed. And his meaning is nearly as follows. Do thine own part and to none give occasion of war or fighting. Do everything you can to be at peace. But if you see the cause of religion suffering anywhere, do not prize concord above truth, he says. But make a noble stand, even to death, St. John tells us. And even then, though, be not at war in your soul, be not averse in temper, but fight with the things only. But if the other will not be at peace, do, thou, do not thou fill thy soul with tempest. But in mind, be friendly. As I said before, without giving up the truth on any occasion. These are wise words and good for us to hear, especially in our day and age when even Christians are beginning to question uh, whether or not they are supposed to, you know, Stand up for something if it's going to cause conflict. Why, yes, you are. <laughs> but you are to do it with peace in your heart, with no tempest, with gentleness, kindness, empathy, and love, even for the person that may appear for the moment as your enemy, at least in the contention of the truth. So we must stand and fight for the truth even unto death, but we must do it with peace in our hearts. The peace of our family of this family, the disruption of the beauty of holiness happens when we become haughty and high-minded, when we disassociate with the lowly and humble, and when we give place to our anger and begin to judge others harshly. By the grace of the Holy Spirit and through the prayers of St. Polycarp, whose feast we celebrate today, may God help us to be at peace with all men 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.